Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. The message just kept growing in my heart and getting bigger and bigger. I really, really believe that um, trust is the key to everything when it comes to our Christian life. It's the abundant life, the joyful life, the peace-filled life. Um, In the middle of trouble, if we'll just simply trust the Lord, I believe He wants to give us everything we need. Mm, It seems so simple, and today's guest talks all about that. We're joined today by best-selling author Joanna Weaver. She's just recently released a new book, Embracing Trust, The Art of Letting Go and Holding On to a Forever Faithful God. She says that letting go of control is hard unless we hold on to something greater, and that greater is trusting God. Today in Connection, she's going to share with us where the inspiration for this book came from, why it took her so long to get the book out on the shelves, and how important it is to trust God. Joanna Weaver joins us today. She is the best-selling author of Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. She's also the author of a new book, Embracing Trust, The Art of Letting Go and Holding On to a Forever Faithful God. Now, Joanna, this book is something that you've wanted to write about for quite some time, but it also took a lot of time to get this book out into the world. Tell us a little bit about Embracing Trust and the journey to get to where it is today. Oh, yes. I mean, I remember the moment I finished Having a Merry Heart this, uh, my first book, this was the book I wanted to write, but I took a six month sabbatical, just kind of, you know, when you get spilled, you need to get filled. And (laughs) six months turned into a six year dark night of the soul. Uh, just, um, God just doing some deep, deep work inside of me. And out of that came the book, having a merry spirit. And then I thought I was going to get to write this book. And then God said, no, (laughs) And it was funny because the working title at that time was letting go and trusting God. And I thought that I had enough research, but God thought I needed some more. And so, (laughs) yeah. And so I remember when I actually said, okay, Lord, can I do it now? Cause I, because the message just kept growing in my heart and getting bigger and bigger. I really, really believe that um, trust is the key to everything when it comes to our Christian life. It's the abundant life, the joyful life, the peace-filled life. Um, in the middle of trouble, if we'll just simply trust the Lord, I believe he wants to give us everything we need to uh, persevere. And so I am so excited to actually have it out in the world. The message grew beyond letting go and surrender to actually, what does it look like to hold on in faith? And so, um, very multifaceted book. Well, you filled your life with the scriptures and following after Jesus, and yet you fall into this dark night of the soul. I'm wondering if you can just tell people a little bit about that experience, because I think a lot of people go through that dark night of the soul and then beat themselves up over it, right? So, yes. Absolutely. In fact, I think the Lord's just shown me over and over how we tend to be formula Christians. You know, we think that if I do this and I do that, then God will do this and there'll be blessing and I'll never struggle. And so when struggles come, when battles come, then one of two things occur to us, either we're messing up and we're doing it wrong, or, and maybe we don't say it consciously, but unconsciously we think there must be something wrong with God. And as a result, one way or another, um, those troubled times can undermine our faith. And yet when you go to scripture and you see how really, uh, you know, first of all, we live in a fallen world, right? So we need to remember that this isn't heaven and we keep thinking it should be. 
And yet God didn't push reset. Instead, he harnesses the difficult times and this fallen world to actually work something deep within us. And so that's why James can say, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And so I think that was probably one of the most beautiful things was realizing and coming to understand God's love in a deeper way in the dark night of the soul, then I think I would have had it just been blessings and sunshine and roses. What was it like to feel that, to embrace that, to just see that light bulb turn on? Well, I wish it was just that single moment. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I keep waiting for that Holy Ghost phone booth where I can go in and come out and I'm all super Christian and I never struggle. And my husband even, even now has to go, you know, um, there is this book that you should read. It's called Embracing Trust <laughs> because I can wake up one day and I can see spiritually for miles and God is good and he's faithful and, uh, and I'm going to get through this thing. And then I can wake up the next fogged in. And I think probably the big light bulb moment, Colleen, was when, when I was had come out of the dark night of the soul to find out that I was pregnant at 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> Back into the dark night of the soul. <laughs> and, you know, this good girl wanted to do good things, but I couldn't get okay with the fact that my life was going to be forever altered, at least in my mind. And I never performed more poorly. I'm, I'm so ashamed to say it. I kept trying to get okay. I kept saying, Lord, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. You get to do whatever you want with me. But my flesh woman just kept freaking out. And yet in the middle of performing, never have performed more poorly as a good girl <laughs> and ne never felt loved so completely. And I think that that's, that's the adventure that we're invited on to with Jesus is even in the middle of hardship, even in the middle of things that seem that like, Lord, how can this be? This can't be right. God wants to meet us. And in fact, I think that's really where he meets us in the most sweet ways, but we've got to choose to trust him. And I kept thinking, the Lord just kept bringing me back to this question, Joanna, are you going to bow your knee or are you going to raise your fist? And in bowing my knee, I found, I found the Lord in a way that I pray I never get over. I never get over. That's why I really like the subtitle, The Art of Letting Go, because it's an art. It's mm. not easy to do, right? Like you can say, yeah, I'm going to do it, but then you're resisting every step of the way half the time. It really is because – because a lot of this doesn't make sense. I mean, you and I were made for the perfection of the garden. So there is this innate thing that this can't be, this can't be right. But I write about in the book of, you know, it was distrust that got Adam and Eve kicked out of garden, uh, you know, where the enemy so doubt, maybe God isn't as good as you think he is. Maybe he really doesn't have your best in mind. And so they, they rebelled against God and they seized control of their lives. And even as Christians, even though we've made Jesus our savior, if we haven't really hammered out full and total surrender, and that is a daily thing, but I think it is a moment where we can't have to come to where we have to decide, okay, am I going all in or am I going to kind of do this halfway Christian thing? Because at least for me, it wasn't until I went all in with him that a lot of the battle was settled 
because otherwise we're going to constantly be trying to seize control. Doesn't mean that I don't still try to do it, but I'm reminded, wait a minute. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll even hear the Lord, you know, I'll be trying to re- perform CPR on something that's dead. And I'm just thinking, I've got to make this live. And there are times where I'll just hear the Lord say, Joanna, clear, you know, like, like they do in the emergency room where I've got to get, step back so that God can step in. And if it is his will to bring life to that dead thing, then I've got to let him do it his way. Uh, but yeah, it's, so it's a daily choice. It, it's an everyday trust, not just in a one-time decision. This can be challenging for many of us to wrap our heads around. So how do we even begin to change our mindsets? Well, you know, for me, it's just, it really has come down to that issue of surrender because I, I've just realized in writing this book and researching my I kind of expected like, what's the one, two, three that I need to do, right? But instead, the Lord sort of shifted it and he's opened my mind to who he is. Because, you know, when we get a better understanding of how faithful and trustworthy and good he is, then trust becomes a whole lot easier because we only trust the ones we know. And so as we come closer to him, I I guess that's the biggest thing. First of all, you know, making that decision, you know, am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for God? Because a lot of the decisions are, and the struggle is settled there. Um, You know, I, I write about going beyond making him my savior and making him my Lord. There was, it was a two, two moment experience for me that has to be re reinstated, but those were the two big things. But then just um, just diving deeper into him and getting to know his character and his goodness. You know, I think the thing that I didn't fully realize was, you know, I look at, okay, Adam and Eve rebelled. They got kicked out of the garden. Uh, I don't, I didn't really see that it was God's love that took them out of Eden because they would have taken from the tree of life and been stuck forever in that sinful state. But instead he, he performed the first sacrifice and he used the skins of an animal, sacrificial animal to cover their nakedness, just like Jesus covers ours. And then it was God's love that followed them out of the garden. He didn't give up on them and he doesn't give up on us. His love keeps pursuing us. And if we'll, if we'll, understand that we simply have to trust that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for us, that we're brought back into that relationship, back into the garden, that intimacy with the father, but also living under his provision and care, even in the middle of this fallen world. If I can get my head, it's almost like, I don't know about you, but I get so lost in the weeds of my situation. Sometimes I I look at the impossibility and if I can't see the answer in myself, or in my resources, then all of a sudden I freak out. But if I can step back and go, oh, wait a minute, this isn't beyond your control, Lord. Then all of a sudden uh, there, there's that peace that can come. And so really practically, Colleen, it has been interrupting the spiral of fear and the detours of doubt by simply saying, I trust you, Lord, like out loud. Mm-hmm making that decision. I'm going to get my eyes off the wind of the waves and I'm going to look at you. I'm, yeah, I'm hearing. I, I like steps, right? Tell me, tell me Joanna, <laughs> to do one, two, three, four, yes. and then boom, the formula, like you said, but it's not that, but I am hearing how important it is to 
deepen your relationship with Jesus, and that helps us uh, in this process of embracing trust. I think often, too, uh, like you mentioned, kind of looking towards the future, and sometimes maybe when we're apprehensive and don't know whether to trust God or not about the future, we think of the past and maybe disappointments Mm, from the past. Yes. But the end of your subtitle, like a forever faithful God. Well, we might have been disappointed in the past, but God is faithful so we can trust him with our futures. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we do. We have that disappointment from the past. So we tend to fixate on that (laughs) when God didn't show up the way we thought he would or we were taught he would. And uh, and so all of a sudden we allow our experience to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And I, I, you know, as I was just trying to wrap my head around this topic, because I, I didn't want it to be that spiritual bandaid, you know, that we're so quick to give other people, oh, just trust God. And we have complete faith for them. But when we're in the middle of it and someone tries to slap a bandaid on us, it's really kind of offensive. But as I, I was like, Lord, show me how to build a platform for faith you know, that can stand the troubled times because, you know, we're living in, in very uncertain times. And what I felt like the Lord brought me to, and it sounds so simplistic, but four pillars that we can build our life on. And so if we're looking at steps, these maybe are some that could help. But again, it's so interesting because it, it really focuses on who God is. And so the first one, God is good. Like, And that's such a tame word, but it encapsulates all that he is, his perfection, his wisdom, his power, his love. And then second, he does love me. He loves me. And if I can drill down to the fact he's good, really allow God to get his love from my head to my heart. And if I can make that decision that I belong to him and I fully surrendered and re-surrender as many times as necessary, then I can be sure that he takes care of his own. And so there's these four solid facts. And if you look at those four, four of three of them are dependent on him. It's just my decision. Will I belong to this faithful father? At the end of the day, this is something that is not going to happen overnight. This is something that's going to take place throughout your life. It really is. And I think that's so important. It's very interesting. I have a, a Facebook post and a video and I open with the words, um, do you, do you ever struck, struggle to trust God? And I make this statement, I think we all do. And I was so surprised at the pushback I got on that, oh. that no, I never, I never struggle to trust. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I would love to get on a phone call and learn from you because I can't even imagine being able to make that blanket statement. I do think that sometimes for some personalities, maybe it's easier. I think sometimes we can go, oh yeah, I trust God, but there's like a disconnect in how we're actually living. And I don't, I don't want to transpose my experience onto those people. But um, I just want to encourage those of you who are listening, who are struggling in your situation to trust God, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At least just, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking like, well, you've got like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses yes. and even David at times, right? And I was going to say Jesus, but maybe not Jesus when he was praying in the garden, though, I say, you know, take yeah. this from me. But and he gets there right away. But if it's your will, then I'll go through it. Right. But. Like all those prophets struggled with trusting uh, God, then yeah, I'm, yeah. (laughs) Right. And I make this statement, I think it's so important. Just as it isn't a sin to be tempted, 
It's what we do with the temptation, right? Mm. Just as it isn't a sin to be tempted, neither is it a sin to be afraid. But it's where am I going to take my fear? And that's one of the beautiful things. I, I kind of wrapped the book around uh, the story of David because there was such an intimacy. <clears throat> there was such an intimacy with God that did seem to, to trans, translate into trust, you know, and yet he's very honest about his battle uh, to trust at times. But he has this uh, phrase in Psalms 56, 3, it says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And so here's, here's something that's really helping me when something happens rather than letting fear trigger panic, let's let it trigger trust instead. Mm -hmm. Right? So the moment that fear arises or, or that hurt feeling or that um, I'm going to fix this, this is wrong. Let's, let's invite God into the equation and let's let it trigger trust instead. It's interesting. As I listen to this, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going, oh, I can't really, you know, say this because I'm a Christian. That's not what Christians do. But really, if you just let it all out and you just put it out there, it's amazing what God can do in your life. What we're doing is we're taking God out of the handcuffs we sometimes put him in. And, you know, handcuffs where we take control. But I think there's another level of handcuffs where we're in denial and we're not really being honest. And so we think we've got to do it ourselves. So one way or another, let's be honest, because just like you pointed out, Mike, it's all through the word of God. Doubt. And I like what John Barnabas Piper said. He says there, there's a difference between believing doubt and unbelieving doubt. And so we got, we got to be careful that we're not allowing our doubt to go into unbelief, but that that struggle to trust, that struggle to believe pushes us closer to the Father rather than pulling us away. Not only that, your book touches on, though, how our trust and building this, this life of faithful trust, then we pass it on to other generations, yeah. too, you say, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the... I, I just love this about the Lord is those places where I feel so broken and incomplete. And even those places where I fail as I've given God access to those places, that's actually where he's used me more than in all the places where I was the perfect Christian and did everything right. And so when I can get honest before the Lord and even honest um, before people and say, you know, I'm struggling, but um, I'm, uh, you know, I'd love your prayers or, um, you know, but here's what I'm doing to just, you know, reconnect with the Lord in a deeper level. I do know from my own self, watching my parents honestly go through some really tough times, their story has built faith in my own heart for my story. And so when we think about that, as we just let God get his hands on us, even in this area of fear or unbelief or doubt, um, we're actually letting him write a story that's going to influence generations to come. And that's, that's the power of our redeeming God. When it comes to your book, Embracing Trust, what would you say is the biggest takeaway for you in your own life? Yeah, well, it really comes back to seeing God in a new way. I, I feel like, because um, again, if I'm looking at my situation, there doesn't look like a lot of hope. It looks impossible. It looks like, how will I ever get through this? Or maybe I've messed up. 
or maybe God's not as good as I thought he was. But if I'll step back and I'll see him and see my problem through the lens of who he is and who he wants to be to me, then all of a sudden things kind of take their proper perspective. And that's, that's really my prayer is that we'll see God in a new way because when we see God in a new way, I think we have a new way of looking at our lives. Another great thing about your book is it includes a 10-week Bible study. Why did you decide to incorporate this as well? Well, you know what? I, I really hope the Lord will speak through my book, but I want people to fall in love with the most important book of all. And so it's very it's a, just a simple Bible study uh, that you can do alone or with a group. There's um, a downloadable workbook that's available that has the questions as well as space for the answers. And it just gives us a chance to just go, okay, where am I really? (laughs) And then look at the word and then just invite the Lord to make that word alive in us. How can our listeners find out more about you, find out more about your book, and maybe pick up that book and companion Bible study? Yeah, well, you can go to JoannaWeaverBooks.com, or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Joanna Weaver Books. And also have a podcast that I do kind of like what you guys do, interview authors, and I'd love to have them listen to The Living Room with Joanna Weaver. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We really appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for joining us today and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.